What's happening, bro? Excited to be here, dude. You having a good weekend? Great weekend, man. Austin's finally starting to warm up, dude. We had like a nice little cold front three, four days, bro. You know how it goes in Texas, man. Water, water pipes get frozen, ice on the road, and people don't know how to act. I just road trip back from Florida last weekend. And so I went from it being like 70 degrees to then having this cold front. And now as of yesterday or two days ago, it was below freezing. Dude, I saw some of the weather from friends I have in New York. And I'm like, dude, six, seven degrees. I'm like, holy shit. Dude. Speaking of your friends up in New York, you are a New Jersey local and then recently moved to Austin. So tell me about that move to Austin, what, a year or two ago? It was actually like one calendar year from like right now. Like I think I got to Austin February 10th. So it's been, dude, it's been a great journey. Man. Man. I know. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's been a, it's been a great journey. Um, Austin has been, obviously, it's been an amazing city to live in. The community here, the people I've been able to meet, it's honestly been just, it's, it's all been good. And I think anytime you move to a new city where you don't know many people, you're kind of, you know, forced to step out of your comfort zone and, and network and, and, and kind of mingle with the right humans. But dude, Austin's amazing, man. There's like a, it's a special energy here. That's just kind of different than, uh, than most cities. What sparked the move for you? Honestly, it was just kind of a change of scenery, change of pace for me. I was, you know, living at home at the time. My mom had gotten remarried and she was moving out to Delaware. And she kind of like gave me and my brother that choice. Like, yo, you guys can either take over the mortgage, find a new place in Maryland, or kind of like figure it out. And my brother at the time was, you know, working for uh, Deloitte. So he wanted to stay in like the Northern Virginia, Maryland area. And obviously me, I just like, I was working remotely for myself and you know, I had a lot of flexibility and, and time to kind of choose where I wanted to live. And, you know, so many people tell me great things about Austin, bro. And I'm just the type of person that's like a, I'm a practitioner. Like I want to experience shit myself. Like I, I love reading. I love listening to podcasts and shit, but ultimately your own experiences are truly what make you learn things. And I think that I wanted to feel that. So I ended up just packing up my Honda Civic and I, I drove down to Austin. It took me like six days and then the rest is history. Were you adamant about moving to Texas? I was, dude. There was two spots. It was Atlanta or Austin. And I just felt like, you know, Atlanta, I had, I had a community of people I knew there that were in the running space. And I felt like it would have been an easier transition for me to move to Atlanta just because like I could have gotten ingrained into a community very quickly. So I'm actually glad I ended up choosing Austin because it was it was so new, bro. Like first time for me to really live in Texas and see what it's like to be out here. I honestly have zero regrets. And I think just if I look back, even reflecting on the year, bro, it's been one of the most enjoyable years that I've had in both from a business standpoint, from a networking, from a relational standpoint, and just like the energy and the people I've met, bro, it's, it's honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it, honestly. All right, man, look, let me knock out this intro real quick. Welcome to the Stay for the Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah. Joining me today, runner, content creator, entrepreneur, Jersey native, turned Texan, personal trainer, coach, Matt Choi. Dude, What's up, man? Appreciate the intro, dog. Ah, you got it. <laughs> Let's talk about your move to Austin and your experience so far. Walk me through how it was with that transition. Of course, dude. When you don't know many people in a new city, you're kind of forced to really be out of your comfort zone. And it kind of makes you go interact with people, whether it's in a capacity from a running club, whether it's your gym, whether it's finding like a WeWork or, you know, whatever it might be like, you got to immerse yourself into different environments because 
it's easy to have a jaded point of view of a city if you don't actually go experience it. And I didn't want to just sit in my house and just like, you know, say I lived in Austin without really going to experience it. And I think it's important for anyone, like anytime you move somewhere new, like what other choice do you have, right? If you want to meet people, if you want to make the most of your experience, you have to go put yourself in those environments. And I think I was able to do that very quickly within the gym I go to and then the running clubs and communities I kind of got involved in. And then obviously having social media be a player as well in the sense of connecting through social, right? So I think, dude, a mixture of all of it, you know, when I first moved out here, I didn't really have any expectations. Like I'm just the type of person that I dream big, but I'm also very present where my feet are at. And for me, it was just like, yo, take it one day at a time. And, you know, my energy is very positive and optimistic and I have high energy. So naturally when I talk with people, whether it's at a coffee shop or at a gym or at a running club, like I'm just showing up at the, as like the best version of myself. And, and in that kind of attracting the right type of person and the right type of individuals to kind of build a community. And dude, that's kind of been my story since I've been here. I got here last February, ran the marathon. And then from there, it's just kind of like one thing led to another. I almost felt like my opportunities for business and working with other brands as a creator started to really like scale as I lived in Austin. I don't know what it was, bro, but something about Town Lake, dude. I, I, I <laughs> they, they saw me running around Town Lake oh, and man. I don't know, bro. content went crazy. Are you more of an extrovert or an introvert? Uh, dude, this is a beautiful question. And some people that are going to be shocked by my answer. I'm really an introverted person, but I have the capabilities of being extroverted. And it's that kind of balance of the both worlds, right? So many people live so far on one end of the spectrum and they don't know how to find the balance. And I think for me, I love my solitude. I love my time on myself where I'm able to build and be creative and kind of be you know, honing in my own thoughts at the same time, like Jacob, like I love it, dude, like New York city marathon. I love the environment of just kind of being out there with other humans and connecting and just kind of spreading that energy. But I think because I'm such an introverted person that values solitude and all those things, I'm able to show up for other people where if I didn't have that aspect of it, I think I can quickly burn out just by, you know, being everywhere, right. Being like being that high energy person. But if I don't spend time for myself, I think a lot of it would get destroyed. It's kind of like that saying of like, you gotta love yourself to love someone else, or you gotta help yourself before you can help others. And dude, I truly, truly embody that. And I believe it to my core. You have to definitely love yourself before you can love others. That old example about putting on the oxygen mask in the airplane oh. first before you can help someone else out. Yeah. I love that. Not to get too into the weeds and running yet, but shortly after you moved to Austin, you ran Austin Marathon? Mm-hmm, last year. Was that your first marathon? It was my fourth. That was number four. You've been in Austin for a year and yeah. you have been running for about two years. So mm -hmm. within the first year of running, you already ran four marathons, five marathons. <laughs> I know. Did you, you can say I'm a little obsessive when I uh, find something new. That took and... me like three years to run a marathon. <laughs> Dude, the wildest thing is, dude, you know, I had recently just lost my job and, you know, I was finding something, I was looking for something that was going to like kind of push me out of my comfort zone. And I was reading the book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins at the time. And just like many people, I see a little bit of David Goggins in you, man. I see it. <laughs> a, lot of, hey, a lot of people call me the Asian David Goggins. And, and honestly, I got inspired by his story. Nice. And I think a lot of my journey has been that, man. It's been, you know, educating myself because I hated school. I hated education back in the day through college and high school. I cheated a lot through school. But when I started to apply myself post-college, 
I started realizing like I wasn't maximizing my full potential as a human. And that's why I found a lot of peace and in, in, in solitude and, you know, self-discipline through running. And a lot of those things that humans are looking for, right? Humans want the fix. How do I go take a cold shower? How do I read? How do I build a business? How do I get into better physical, mental, spiritual shape? A lot of it is within ourselves. You have to look at yourself in the mirror, right? And it's kind of the, the voice in between your own ears. And I wanted to master that voice because for a long time, I allowed external things to allow the distraction to enter my own brain. And running was one of those things where I wanted to, I wanted to find it. I wanted to see if I could actually get better at something that I hated to do. And to your point of my first year of running, before I really got into a marathon, I actually did a, an ultra marathon, a 50 mile race. So I kind of dabbled into ultra, the ultra running space as well. That's fun, man. Speaking of David Goggins, I hope he hears this. And that way me and you can jump on one of his challenges and let's see if we can get something in the books with this guy. <laughs> I mean, fun, I'm a big man. fan of his four by four by 48 challenge. I've done it in three years in a row. It's a, it's a beast of a challenge. I want to talk about your athletic history and you mentioned college ball. So I want to get into that. That first year into running before you ran Austin marathon, what other marathons did you do prior? Prior to that, the first marathon I did was on my birthday in 2021. So this was, I, I, I basically was like, yo, I'm turning 26. I want to run 26 miles, you know? And like my birthday's coming up here in, th in two weeks. It's the day after the Austin Marathon. So it's actually a two-year reunion of, or two-year anniversary from my first marathon ever. So that was in February of 21. And then from there, I did the Goggins Challenge, four miles every four hours for 48 hours. That was like my first introduction to the ultra space, right? And then a month from that, I had friends that are digital nomads and they're big ultra runners. And they told me that one of them was getting ready to do his first hundred mile race. He told me, he put me in a group chat and said, Matt, there's a 50 mile option. You should sign up. 24 hours later, I signed up April 17th. I was going to Salt Lake city to run my first ultra marathon. And before that dude, the marathon and then the four by four by 48 was really the only introduction to running I really had. I think a lot of my journey, Jacob, is not overanalyzing it. It's not overthinking. That's kind of been my secret sauce, whether it's in running and business and athletics and sports, whatever. I just don't overthink shit because I'm not scared of the judgment of failing. Like I'm totally content with failing. I'm okay with it. I, I do. I fail every day and I'm totally good with it. I don't really care about the judgment I get from other people because at the end of the day, I just live within my own cocoon. So I think to answer your question, like within my first year, I was just trying to test and taste a lot of shit just to see what I could actually overcome and what I could do as a human. And then a lot of these things I've realized it started to spread into every inner being of who I am as a human in relationships, in business, in running and athletics and in mindset. Like I started applying the same discipline and accountability and work ethic like I did in football into every single thing I did just to maximize myself as a human. And that's kind of like my first year. And dude, I say it to say for someone that's listened to this and that's like, dude, this fucking guy is crazy. He ran a marathon and then 48 miles and 48. I, I understand that this sounds insane. And I would be lying if I said I didn't deal with injuries. If I didn't deal with the mental doubt, there's always levels of that, but you can't allow the uncertainty and the doubt to dictate what you do as a human. And that's kind of been my message. And that's kind of the, the story of my first year of running. Inky Johnson, 
I love Noah's story. You should look him up. Yeah, he's definitely a good guy. Inky Johnson has a quote, how you do anything is how you do everything. Let's talk about football a little bit. And I want to talk about your history in sports, but also your upbringing. Born and raised here in Jersey? Born and raised in Jersey. I, I, I was born in Teaneck and my parents got split when I was super young. So I've always kind of had that divorced parent household. My dad lives in Queens. My mom lived in New Jersey in the suburbs. So me and my brother at a young age would live that lifestyle of like suburban lifestyle Monday through Friday with my mom. My mom would drop us off on Friday evening to my dad in Queens. And my dad has a bodega. He, you know, he's always worked in like the bodega classic immigrant story. My mom's kind of worked up corporate America, kind of building up her lifestyle, more Western cultured. So I kind of grew up more Americanized, whitewashed with my mom. And then my dad was a lot more traditional. But when me and my brother were young, we actually ended up then moving to Las Vegas. So I moved around as a kid a lot. And I say that to say a lot of that has been part of my journey of adapting to different environments and not being scared of making new friends and having to be forced to put yourself into something that you don't know. And early on, man, that was kind of like my foundation. And obviously, as, as a single mom, my, my mom realized like, shoot, like th these boys need to be around some male role models, male mentors or figures. She quickly put us into sports. We started playing soccer. Then our love for soccer kind of faded and we got into football. And then me and my brother both found a passion for it. And then one thing led to another. I mean, we, we, my mom actually found us playing tackle football and, and all of those things. And, you know, I ended up then earning a college scholarship to go play in Jersey at Monmouth University. And, you know, that was my North Star, Jacob. Like in high school, I knew that my parents couldn't afford to send me to a four-year university. If I didn't earn a college scholarship, my next plan B was going to be community college or military. And I quickly understood that. So a lot of the efforts I had through college, or I'm sorry, through high school, were to earn a college scholarship. And that's foundation of an athlete. Being a student athlete is like a full-time job. And for student athletes that might listen to this, like understand that that's what you're signing up for. Like you're not signing up to just be part, like, like a student and go out Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like you're living a different lifestyle and you need to take, you need to make sacrifices. And the same is true today, whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur. You mentioned your brother. Older, younger, did y'all grow up together? You played ball together? Older brother. And my brother was always like a big bro, like, like a big brother, father figure for me just growing up, right? So um, he also played football. We never got a chance to really play together because we're three years difference. So, right, I was a freshman, he was a senior. And then the other years, I was just too small to play in his like weight class of football. Walk me through your positions, man. What did you play in high school? And then what did you play in college? High school, I played receiver and quarterback. And then I got recruited to play receiver in college. I'm on the other side of it. <laughs> I played defense, man. What did you play, DB? I was inside linebacker. Really? Yeah, man. Shit, I wouldn't have guessed that. Growing up in Texas, I played fullback and inside linebacker. Freshman year of high school, I was 200 even. When mm -hmm. I went to my freshman year of college, I was 200 even. And then they bulked me up to about 235, pushing 240 when I was in college, inside linebacker my freshman year, played free safety in my second year, got down to about 220. And now today I stand at about 145, 150. God, dude, you are 230 like stocky. Yep. Bruh. And now you weigh 145? 145, 140, yeah. You're, you're like a proper marathon runner now. <laughs> my body has done a complete 180 as an athlete. Of course. Has completely changed. And also, Shit. like, 
four or five years ago now, when I got into running, I also became a vegetarian. How's that for you now? Becoming a vegetarian was interesting because I always felt heavy growing up. I had a lot of weight to carry, obviously. So I always felt heavy growing up. That's why I call myself like a heavy set athlete. And as soon as I became a vegetarian, I started to eat lighter. And then after a while, stopped craving red meat, chicken, you know, anything that I also just felt heavy. I still eat a lot. I do a lot of cooking, meal prepping. I love to cook, bake. This is funny, man. I think I have like half a pint of ice cream and two or three cookies a night before I go to sleep. Dude, it's funny you say that because I'm a big sweets guy too. And like, I'm not, I'm very, I'm aware of what I put in my body, but I'm also not restricted in anything. And it's one of those things where, dude, yesterday I had a 14 mile run. And at night I make like five little, like I made five, I baked like five cookies, like little joints, added with some milk and like, dog, like, that's just like, it's, yo guys, if you're listening to this, like understand that there's a balance in life. Like if you go full gung ho in anything you do, whether it's as a runner, what you eat, whatever, like you're, you're going to be unhappy at some point. So you need to give yourself some, you know, kind of give and take in that sense. Cause me and Jacob are going to crush some cookies next time I'm in New York. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go my methodology was always kind of push myself to the extreme. It really stems from a competitive athlete background. With training, yep. it's diet, it's workouts, it's habits, what time you wake up in the morning, your schedule, how much you have on your plate, being a student athlete, full-time yep. jobs. Everything is always kind of at the extreme point. You build out that discipline, you build out those habits, it translates into everything else, like we said earlier. Yeah. For me, always pushing myself to the extreme also meant that once I learned the worst that it could get, all of the discipline, all of the sacrifices to get to the next point, then now I can start to dial it back. I love that. I, I love it, bro. I, I kind of I mean, what I really think of is the 80-20 rule. And I think that kind of, you know, you can apply it into literally almost anything in the running space. It could be like 80% of your run should be done pretty easy. And then the other 20% fast in content, it could be like 80% of the content that your audience knows you're going to produce. And then the other 20% that's sprinkling in testing in new things. And I think to Jacob's point, like when it comes to food as well, 80% of the time you're eating pretty clean and the other 20, you can kind of splurge and, 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 you know, find out whatever that balance looks like, but dude, you hit the nail on the head. I think in life, it's all about the balance. Post-college. And then what you head back to Jersey. How did you get into running? So I actually head back to Maryland. So Maryland is really home. It's where I went to high school and stuff like that. Cause I moved out of Jersey at seven years old and I lived in Vegas. Um, yeah. So then, so Maryland, I moved back to Maryland. And at that time, Jacob, just like many college kids, I, I lined up a college job. So I found a job in the sales world, medium salary, commission base, all that stuff. I lived at home though first for the first six months just to kind of get my feet settled, save some money. And then I went to then end up living in Baltimore. But I didn't really start my running journey until after my quote unquote uh, corporate job, right? Because then I got into personal training. Then I was training football athletes. Then that was kind of the basis of my quote unquote like fitness. I was just still doing football stuff training high school, college athletes, but running really hit in 2021 when I was kind of like finding that space of like challenging myself. So I think to answer your question though, like running is one of those things in football, bro. You know how it is. It's for punishment. Even though I'm a receiver, I'm expected to be in shape. I'm expected to be able to run, but football players are fast twitch athletes. 
right? We're explosive, we're strong, powerful, all of those things, explosive. But in the endurance running realm, it's a little bit different. You're more of a slow twitch athlete and you're able to sustain a period of effort for a long period of time. And those two differences from a psychological, in, in, in addition to a, like a, like a physiological standpoint is completely different energy systems. And even though I had a base of an, a foundation of an athlete and all those things as a fast twitch athlete, it was a hard transition to start using the other system, the aerobic system, right? But just like anything in life, as you start to learn more, as you start to test more, naturally the body adapts. Like whether, what I don't know what anyone believes in, whatever it is, higher power, God, whatever it is, like the human body is an amazing, amazing being. The way that it can adapt, the way it takes on stress, the way that it can pretty much do anything that you ask of it, it is capable as long as you also internally believe it. And I, I didn't really believe that to be true, bro, until I started to run and do some of these crazy fucking things. You briefly mentioned content creation. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. I love this, bro. I'm a big Gary V fan. If you don't know who he is, he's a serial entrepreneur, digital marketing space. He's a, he's, he's just, he's a proper entrepreneur. And I was consuming a lot of his content. And it quickly made me realize, Jacob, that I have to think of myself as a media company first and then whatever I, I was doing, personal trainer, athlete, runner, whatever. Because if no one knows what you're doing, if no one knows how they can, how you can serve them, then how can they ever, how can you get your name out there? So I understood that content was going to be a difference maker in terms of how I did business because not everyone would be willing to put themselves out there. And obviously, even to that point, making content is not something that every human is built to do. I don't think any human was designed to sit in front of a camera, microphone in front of their face to just talk. So I think it's something that I learned. I learned to become a content creator, even though early on, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just once again, testing, dude, I made videos for two years before anyone watched my shit. Like, and, and that's something that people, now they see me, Jacob, some people follow me now. They're like, this guy's only been a runner his whole life. When even just two years ago, if they saw what I was doing then, it would be completely different than what I do now. And I say that to say, every human can change. We're all adaptable. We can all do something different. And even for me, I had to battle the imposter syndrome of being a creator, of not knowing what I was saying was right or wrong, or you know, just kind of sharing my journey. And anytime you put yourself out there, you put yourself out there for admiration and love in addition to negativity and hate. And you have to have enough thick skin to not let either affect you. And I think that's where most people get affected, where they get all this love and praise and hype. But then once one negative comment or one negative article gets written, it allow it, it breaks their mindset. It breaks their framework. So that's how I got into the content game. It was one, just watching what Gary Vee was doing and how he built his businesses and realizing that if I'm going to act like a small business, I need to, you know, you know, do the same concepts and tactics that small businesses do. And that's why I think for anyone that's listened to this, like creating content online, there's no middleman. Like there's, you don't have to go through NBC or CBS, like dog, the platforms are there. They're all free. You, every human, every human can create a piece of content. When you started, was it mostly to explore building that presence for you as an entrepreneur, as well as documenting your journey? I think at first, Jacob, it was the latter. I wanted to just document my journey. And while doing that, 
share casing my business, right? Because dude, at the time, I didn't even have a training certification. I was just using the knowledge as football players, going through winter conditioning, going through workouts, speed and agility, and then in the weight room, you and I have enough knowledge that most trainers don't, even when they have a quote unquote certification. So I was just using what my, my experiences as my storytelling. And then I started to get the actual, like, you know, textbook things that you need to then get a job as a trainer to then get your foot in the door and things of that sort. Walk me through those aspects of personal training and consulting. Personal training was what I was doing years ago. Right. But as I built my business online, a lot of the people I was working with were okay with continuing to build it out online. So then it became very scalable for me in addition to flexible. Like I could live in Texas when all my clients are in Maryland. And there's no friction because I just have to wake up an hour earlier or be prepared an hour earlier for meetings or things of that sort. Personal training and coaching, I think it's something that I found passion in because it's an act of service, right? I think anytime that you're able to, to give value to someone else in any form or fashion, it's a fulfilling, it's a selfish, fulfilling thing, right? So that's a piece of my business in addition to consulting and helping other creators do exactly what I've been able to do in the past couple of years, whether it comes to like closing brand deals or negotiating contracts or understanding how to even just get started in making content. A lot of the coaching I do now is more around the content creating space and like the creator economy more so than like what people are doing in the gym per se. Do you still do personal training or no? I do a little bit of personal training, but I would say the main income I have is through being a creator then a consultant in like the creator space and then personal coaching, whether it's like fitness or marathon coaching. I think that's just going to always be a leg of my business because I mean, Jacob, people see me as a runner, right? Like that's kind of what people identify me as. And I want to, I, I, I don't care at all. Like, I love that. I love the running community and what it's done for me. And I want to continue to serve people in that space because I think a lot of people have, you know, been following along my journey and, you know, so many people have ran their first 10 K or 5 K which these are just distances to races, right? So 5K kilometers is 3.1 miles um, and anything up to a half marathon, 13.1 miles and then a full. And I think I never thought, Jacob, that sharing my journey, just the trials and tribulations that I've gone through would then be inspiration for other people to go try it for themselves. I never, I, that was never my goal. To, it was never to do that. It just happened that along the way, bro, people started to get inspired then to take action. And I think that action piece is my whole journey, bro. So many people, like I said earlier, they think about it too much. They analyze too much. When in reality, all you need to do is just go attempt it. Did you ever anticipate that you would be the entrepreneur that you are today? I, I don't, I never, like, I, I don't know. I don't think so, actually, honestly. I sit, where, where I sit now, man, is, it's an interesting spot because it's funny because all the work I did, it leads to the trajectory of where I sit. But growing up, I never thought like I wasn't like a Gary V. Even though me and my brother did a lot of entrepreneurial things, lemonade stands, you know, reselling toys and all those, all those things as kids, you just do because when you're when, when you grow up with a single family mom, like you don't get all the things that most kids get. Like I didn't have game systems. It's why I don't love games. I didn't get a lot of the things that kids typically got. So to answer your question, I never had like this aspiration of being an entrepreneur. 
to be honest, my biggest goal was to go play in the NFL. Like that was my North star. I wanted to do everything possible because I thought that that was my passion. And it was football was my passion, but just like many things in life, there's a shelf life for it. And once you realize that you've reached your maximum potential in that activity or that quote unquote thing, then it's like, what's next? And you, people are always reinventing themselves. So even when I was working corporate, I won, I had to start changing my mindset around what is required to become an entrepreneur. People want to become an entrepreneur because they say that they want to travel. They say that they want flexibility and they want to control their life and all these things. But true freedom is discipline. And you need to build the discipline first to then become free, to then go travel and to go do these things. But so many people want to skip that initial step of becoming disciplined. And for me, football taught me discipline from a team aspect, but then I had to go apply it for myself. Because Jacob, you know how it is, dude. When coach says be there at 630, it's easy to do that when the team is relying on all the players to go be there. But when no one's asking you to wake up in the morning to go run 10 miles or 13.1 miles, whatever it is, when you're doing that on your own, you're choosing your own suffering. You're choosing to choose discipline. And that is true freedom. And so for me, I never thought that I would become this entrepreneur, even though I was doing all the things that would lead me to that. I pinch myself at times to see how much I've grown in the past couple of years of doing this stuff, but I'd be lying if I said I, I knew I was going to be a thoroughbred entrepreneur because I didn't. My North Star was always football. Did you always think that you would be a content creator? I never enjoyed the actual sitting down process of like actually editing videos and doing all those things, mm -hmm. but I loved getting pictures of me playing football and like posting those pictures and posting pictures of me, like, you know, videos of me playing football. So I always understood it from the football landscape, because once again, if you look at my Instagram back in 2013 to 2017, it's only going to be football pictures because that was my identity on Instagram. Right. So I understood how to use the platforms to, to gain quote unquote clout or to like create a buzz around your own name, but it was never in the intention of actually like documenting my journey or sharing it. It was just like, Oh, this was a dope one-handed catch that I want to post that type of shit. You know, everything that you do now, that's all self-taught, right? All self-taught. Walking me through your viewpoint as a creator. I love it. I love it. 80, 20 rules. It's, it's quite simple. It's posting 80% of the 80% of your content should be kind of like what you're, you're following, what your community is used to seeing from you. Right. So in my case, a lot of running health and wellness kind of mindset content, the other 20%, you should sprinkle in different pieces of you, who you are, different things that you're working on, whatever it might be. And, and I say sprinkle it in because most people burn out because they're talking about the same thing over and over and over, and then they get tired of it. So if you're not ever testing new things, what I eat in a day, Costco food hall, you know, just random shit. That's part of who you are as a human, but just sprinkling it in. Um, I think that's just kind of from a, from a wide lens, what the 80, 20 rule is. And for each person, it might be a little bit different. Maybe it's 75, 25, maybe it's 70, 30, 55, 45, whatever. Find out what split works for you in terms of how I actually coordinate my content and my flow of content. There's a couple ways. I'll, I'll give you first a tactic. I work with a long, uh, a videographer and an editor. So we film long form YouTube content one day out of the week. 
four videos for the month, right? So every week we link up, we record a video. And a lot of times it's either something that's relevant for what I'm training for. Maybe it's doing like a Q&A of like, you know, answering people's questions or like a day in the life, whatever it is. While I do that content shoot, I'll also film 10 reels for the week, right? So then during that shot, I'm recording 10 short form content for TikTok, YouTube shorts, and Instagram. From just that two hours of shooting, I have my whole content for the week for all the platforms. I then also shoot content as myself, as a sole creator, right? I'll just get my camera. I'm recording right now. I'll, I'll cut up and edit certain things because I'm all about speed. A lot of creators, they want to chase perfection. When in reality, perfection is just this illusion that all every human has. We all think that, oh shit, the transition doesn't look good. Lighting's not good. Whatever our subjective opinion of what perfection is, we all have it. So I quickly got out of that mindset and just focused on speed, getting content out there and not really caring if it's not the highest quality cuts or edits or things of that sort, because ultimately it's just like building a chest. How do you do that? You have to do push-ups. You have to do presses. You have to put in reps. The same thing goes with content. How do you post every single day? Well, you need to be comfortable making videos fast and uploading it immediately. And I've got really good at that. It got to the point where I was making TikToks, three to six TikTok videos every day. That was my level of output during 2021, 2022. Most people don't make that much content in a month or a fucking week. So the volume is always going to be a game changer early on because you need to build the muscle of becoming a creator. So now three and a half, four years into the game, I'm obviously a lot more strategic and tactical with how I approach content because it wasn't like I was doing this from day one, right? Like the day one strategy versus day a thousand is going to be a different strategy. So that's kind of where I'm at now with content. Now I try to storytell more of like my journey because a lot of people now they look at what I do and it's intimidating sub three hour marathon, hundred mile race, all these things. The average person is looking at me like, how the hell did he get started? When in reality to start, you just need that one domino to fall and then the rest start to fall. I see your pup. Who's your pup right here? Come here. This is a shadow. I call him Shade. Shade. Uh, I like that. Come here. Husky? I get him up. Yeah, he's Siberian Husky. Yeah. Good looking dog. Look at him. Ton of energy. And we just ran like five miles today and look at him now. He just. Like, <laughs> he's like, energy. he's like, we're session number two at. <laughs> How was the Houston Marathon for you? What are you currently working on with training? Houston was, it was a good race, man. I, I didn't get, I didn't hit a PR there, but you know, it was a little bit warmer in Houston. I mean, you know how it is more, more than most people probably can relate. It's one of those things, Jacob, like you just don't, you can't predict the weather in, in, in January, you know, like past couple of days, we've had a cold front here in Austin and um, now it's 65 degrees today. Like, so it's kind of one of those where it's like hit or miss. So Houston was a, it was a fun race just in general. It's relatively a flat course. It gets a little bit hilly towards the last 10K, but I ended up hitting a 259.35. So I hit a sub three, but it was, it was, it was a fun, it was a fun race. And, and there's obviously, a, I had a bunch of friends that were there as well. Um, but now I'm kind of transitioning and getting ready for Austin, which is happening in two weeks. I'm not going to run Austin very aggressively. Uh, I, I'm doing it with a friend, with my buddies at Super Coffee. 
um, the DeSico brothers. So I'm kind of running with them. And really what I'm prepping for would be Boston after that, which is in April. And that's going to be mid-April, April 19th or April 18th. Um, that's going to be a fun race. Obviously qualifying for that last year was super, it was, it was like one of my benchmarks for the year. And I'm looking forward to kind of experiencing, I've been to the Boston marathon, but I haven't ran it. So I'm excited to kind of, uh, kind of cross that one off the bucket list. How do you approach training? Yeah. So, I mean, early on Jacob, it was me just like educating myself and throwing pasta on the wall. Um, but then I quickly realized that finding a blueprint, having a team, I work with coaches now where I basically have everything systemized and planned out ahead. Uh, I use a, I use a running coach. Um, previously I worked with Nick bears running coach, Jeff Cunningham for my first sub three hour marathon. And then now I'm working with uh, a different friend. His name is Mark Pinalis. And he basically programs all my, uh, running. I do most of my own strength training and like, kind of like kind of cross training stuff. But in terms of the running program, I just follow my coaches stuff and, for me, I found that it's like a peace of mind. Like I, I don't want to deal with the stress. Like I got a bunch of stuff going on. I'd rather just like get the month program, see what I need to do and just kind of execute. And I'd rather work from that mindset than having to like deal with like, oh, like this is, I need to create the whole thing, X, Y, and Z. And then when it comes to actually the cross training stuff in the weight room and in strength training and stuff, I'm a big believer in strength training and doing cross training because it just helps with running performance in addition to staying injury free. And early on, I did a lot more compound lifts and things that we did in football, but I realized that it wasn't the best like translator for running actually. So I kind of changed the way that I train. A lot of what I do now is a lot geared towards running, whether it's single leg, like unilateral stuff, a lot of plyometrics, a lot of sled work, pushing forward and backwards doing a lot of work on the feet because a lot of people have overuse injuries because their feet are super, super weak. So a lot of what I do now is based and built around sustainability and, and being injury free. And that's kind of my goal in the weight room. Like I don't have a goal to like bench a certain amount or squat a certain amount. Like obviously I would like to keep my physique. That's kind of been a goal. Like I'm, I, I sit around 190 pounds and I'm six, two. So like my weight is kind of spread it out a little bit more. But I don't know. I mean, Jacob, I couldn't see myself weighing a buck fifty-five, a buck sixty. I think I would feel, I would feel a lot weaker. Um, so that's kind of my background in the training aspect. You ran New York City, right? Have you checked off any other majors? No. So New York's done. I'm gonna hit the domestic ones this year: Boston and then Chicago coming up in August. And I want to do the other three. You know, Tokyo. Um, Berlin and then London. Um, I I, I want to go make an international tour, and I guess this could lead into like my running, you know, goals in that sense. And you know, I, I I love what I've been able to do domestically, but I think kind of the next evolution for myself is like building out my community kind of overseas. And like obviously, it would start with you know hitting the world majors and like using that as an opportunity to build community there. But in addition, like I want to go back to Korea. Like that's a big goal of mine this year is to go back to Korea and not only just to run, but to get back and immerse myself back into my culture and like back into where I came from. I haven't been back in 20 years. Me and my brother went when I was seven years old, bro. And it's been a lot has changed in two decades, obviously. And I'm excited for that opportunity. But to answer your question, I mean, you know, Boston is something that, you know, people work their whole lives to go to go run. 
and you know, for me in my couple years of running, I, I'm I've been blessed with the opportunity to to actually go compete and go run in it. So I can't wait, man. I think Boston's got an electric energy, obviously. And, and did you fucking ran your first one there? I mean, it's a special race, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I, and all the world majors, I'll hit them at some point. Are you doing a lot of hill training in Austin? Dude, the good thing with Austin, bro, is that it's hilly as shit here naturally. So even for me, I live on South First Street, so I've run down South Congress and I go downhill. But on my way back, I got to fight up that incline, which is the start of the race on, on South Congress. Um, but yeah, naturally, I think just like the environment here is more conducive for hill training. And my coach is going to then like put in specific hill training workouts for Boston. And we'll kind of coordinate it based on like the mapping of the city here. But yeah, it, it'll be more of a focus. Like right now, bro, I haven't like gone crazy training for Austin because to your point, I'm also healing from Houston. That was just two weeks ago. So this one's more of like a fun race and like an anniversary of my one year being in Austin. So I'm not going to like be gung ho about like ripping a time. I think I'll still put in a good effort, but like, I'm not going to be, I'm not, there's not like a goal set in that sense. One step back, were you trying to PR in Houston or was that more of like a fun run to do? I mean, I was, I was trying to PR in Houston. Um, the goal was to hit a 250 or closer to 250. You know, I, I felt like I was in 253, 254 shape, but because of the conditions of the day, it just was a little bit harder for me to pick it up at the end. And I think I'm just still working through the weeds of like my nutrition during the race kind of because I had to stop and take a shit and like I just kind of got out of that funk and once you do that it's kind of like you're playing catch up so you know I think this is a great lesson in life first off you know just because you don't hit your goal it's not the end of the world right and I think a lot of people can't deal with that failure at the end of the day I was healthy and I was able to complete a marathon and I think just switching and turning around the failure and turning it into a positive is always going to be where my mind goes and even though I didn't hit that race time, I still did a pretty decent job. I mean, I was only two minutes off of my other PR. So if I, if it was a better day, I think I could have hit a 254, 255. But ultimately, I didn't. Um, and that's okay. And I think that's totally fine not to hit your goals. Because I'm a firm believer that your best race is always the next one, right? It's not going to be the PR that you hit a couple years ago. Like every human has a chance to always hit a PR. We talked a little bit about running goals. Obviously, Boston is on the horizon soon this year and hitting the other majors. What about personal training, coaching, consulting, content creation? Yeah, bro. Um, a couple things. I think in the creator space, I want to really help creators that are starting out to better understand how to position themselves to work with brands and to be able to do more of the things I've done in the past couple of years, whether it's negotiating contracts or understanding how to read contracts and kind of the weeds of the actual creator space. I think that I've done a lot of that in silence and helping people individually that reach out to me and things of that sort, but I want to do it at a scale where I'm able to give the information for free in addition to working with people that are really, really committed because I think where we live in a day and age now where a lot of people want to do the things that you and I do, bro, but very few people want to invest in themselves to actually go do it. So that's kind of what I'm working on currently is building out more of that type of content. Um, in addition to just also learning new tactics for myself and, and, and building out my content in a way that's improving as well, right? It's easy to sit where I sit and be like, yo, I've done a great job of creating content, all these things, but I'm always looking at myself, like how can I make things different? 
you know, how can I test new content? How can I sprinkle in different stuff? So I'm always ever changing. And, and it's always one of those things where I'm challenging my internal team as well. Like, yo, we got to step our content game up even further, right? Like we had a great year last year, but I'm always trying to elevate my content and like collaborate with the right people and things of that sort. So I think it's a mixture of one, the service of actually giving other creators game in addition to me elevating my content and maybe showcasing more of even who I am as a human, less of me as the athlete and the runner. A lot of things to look forward to for sure. And I love where your head's at. I love the aspirations and those, those goals you have set for yourself. That's a wrap. It was really great talking to you. Dude, I appreciate you having me as a guest, man. This was super fun. I'm excited to uh, link up in New York or Texas, wherever it might be. Maybe it's in a different state, man. Who freaking knows, bro? But super, super fun chatting with you, bro. Thank you. I can wrap it up right here. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories. <laughs>